4: is the John Fugel podcast?
5: It's a pleasure to be with you, Chris House, our executive producer in South Carolina, Thea Harper, our associate producer in Brooklyn. Let's dive into it. I was all set to begin this one with a rant. Uh, I had a very simple idea. It was a very, very simple title. I, I already had it, and it was going to be called "John Roberts Resign." that was it it was very simple I, I knew all day what i wanted to begin the show ranting about but it turns out merrick garland read all your tweets <laughs> uh for everyone listening on the john Fuglesank podcast the SiriusXM xm app SiriusXM xm on demand thank you guys very much you're always welcome to call us when we're live at night at 866-997 grit for everyone listening live We'll be wanting your thoughts on this. And by the way, we do read everything you write to the Facebook page and on my website. So thank you for that. But Merrick Garland read your tweets. Merrick Garland has been listening to this show every night and has heard your frustration. Turns out Donald Trump is officially under criminal investigation by your Justice Department. This confirmed tonight in The Washington Post. And the timing's fascinating, Considering this is coming the same, let me check, yes, the same day, Merrick Garland's sit-down interview with Lester Holt is airing on NBC. Let me quote the Washington Post, because their prose on this one is elegant. Federal criminal investigations are, by design, opaque, and probes involving political figures are among the most closely held secrets at the Justice Department, many and without criminal charges. The lack of observable investigative activity involving Trump and his White House for more than a year after the January 6th attack, has fueled criticism, particularly from the left, Ah, that the Justice Department is not pursuing the case aggressively enough. Well, turns out they're pursuing it. They are investigating Trump's role in the fake elector scheme. Multiple witnesses have already testified before a grand jury. They are, of course, investigating his actions as part of the criminal probe to overturn the 2020 election results, according to four different people familiar with the matter, who spoke to The Post. It's, it's amazing. It's like, it's like a live-action adaptation of the mini series we've been watching, starring Liz Cheney. Here's Merrick Garland in the interview airing today, speaking to NBC's Lester Holt, trying to soothe America's vengeful soul while remaining true to his institutionalist
6: instincts. The other day that no one is above the law. Yeah. That said, um, the indictment of a former president, of perhaps candidate for president, would arguably tear the country apart. Is that your
4: concern as you make your decision down the road here? Do you have to think about things like that?
3: Look, we pursue justice without fear or favor. We intend to hold everyone, anyone, who was criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6th or any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to another
6: accountable. That's what we do.
3: We don't pay any attention to other uh,
6: issues with respect to that. So if Donald Trump were to become a candidate for president again, that would not change your schedule or or how you move forward or don't move forward? Uh -uh.
3: Say again that uh, we will hold accountable anyone who is criminally responsible or attempting to interfere with the transfer of legitimate, lawful transfer of power from one administration to the next.
5: There's so much to unpack here. I mean, how could this possibly go? A lot of people are already saying, oh, it's going to be a Mueller burger. I made that up, but, you know, we're going to get our hopes up and there'll be nothing there. Except that's not really fair to Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller handed Congress a gift-wrapped list of 10 instances where Donald Trump obstructed justice, and the Congress decided to do nothing with that because they were listening to focus groups too much, I guess, that were disappointed in the oversaturation of the media coverage of Robert Mueller. Maybe you do like an Iran-Contra, and you actually get convictions, not the president, but people in his inner circle, and then, of course, uh, another Republican just uh, pardons them all. Merrick Garland has vowed that this investigation will follow the facts wherever they lead. He said no one is exempt or above scrutiny. Also, Justice Department investigators last April got phone records of key officials and aides in the administration, including, wait for it, Mark Meadows, the man who gave binders full of smoking guns to the January 6th committee when he turned over his text messages. And then he realized what he had done and tried to sue them. Prosecutors are questioning witnesses before a grand jury, including top aides to former Vice President Mike Pence. And they've been asking in recent days about conversations with Trump and his lawyers and others in the circle who were trying this scheme to defraud the American people, to obstruct Congress, to substitute Trump lackeys for certified electors from some states that Joe Biden won. Now, they've asked for hours of detailed questions about meetings uh, Trump had in December of 2020, even the crazy one in January 2021, the nonstop pressure campaign of, on Pence we've all learned about to overturn the election, and of course, what Trump gave his lawyers and advisors without fake electors uh, and sending electors back to the states. They should call me because I can tell them because I've been watching these damn hearings. I know all about this stuff. No former president has ever been charged with a crime in our country's entire history. I mean, we are at uncharted waters here. And honestly, I'm here for it. It's summer. This is when the news starts to lag and get boring. In cases where investigators found evidence suggesting a president had engaged in some kind of criminal behavior, like Nixon or Bill Clinton, investigators just concluded it was better to not prosecute. Future administrations decide it was better to turn a blind eye and grant immunity, as it were. And it's interesting this is all happening today. Not just the day that they leak it to the Washington Post, not just the day Merrick Garland sits down with Lester Holt. Today's the day Donald Trump makes his grand return to Washington, D.C. for the first time since he took off giving the finger to a peaceful transfer of power on January 20th, 2021. Trump was supposed to give a a policy speech today, and uh, that made me interested because they were billing it as a positive speech to this new think tank. Of his, and, and so I thought, OK, well, this will be cool, right? Uh, let's hear what his policies would be, because is Trump really running? I mean, he sold the hotel in D.C. That's the bribe hole. I guess they, they, they can fly to his bribe hole in Mar-a-Lago now and pay him there. I don't know. But is Trump running for president? Can we succeed in getting Trump and Ron DeSantis to declare war on each other since the establishment GOP is trying to get rid of Trump and make Democrats do it for them so they can grease the skids? For President DeSantis. Well, Trump's policy speech today, uh, not a lot of policy. You know what a lot of had? A lot of whiny little bitch disease. A lot of personal grievance. Oh, did you know he's been wronged? Did you know this millionaire at birth with a gold toilet? He's been treated very badly. He started off with with talking about law and order. Now, here's the deal, friends. If you're uh, one of our right wing loved ones, our co workers, our Facebook pals, relative, your uncle racist, your aunt dead inside, If you're one of our right-wing pals and you talk about law and order, you cheer Donald Trump today saying that he would, as president, send the National Guard to Chicago, regardless of what the governor of Illinois said, Chicago being a code word for you-know-who. If you're cheering Donald Trump talking about law and order, but you don't care about what happened on January 6th, and you don't think Trump should be held accountable— then the rest of us are going to know going forward that law and order is code talk for you for being a racist. <laughs> because he was talking about migrants stampeding across the border, maybe to go work in Trump hotel properties since he hires them. This was at the his uh, America First Policy Institute's inaugural conference. And there wasn't a lot of conferring. It was just Trump going through old ideas that he ran on five years ago about executing drug dealers. And then a a pretty wacky new one that was actually more like 90 years old, uh, bringing us back to the era of Hoovervilles under Herbert Hoover. He he was talking about the important things that concern the lives of hardworking conservative Americans, you know, like transgender athletes in high school. And then, well, here it is. Uh, Again, Mike Pence spoke at the same event, but this is Trump earlier today offering some of his Well-thought-out solutions for America's ills. This is Donald Trump solving homelessness.
2: All kinds, from all places, lying along the roads. That's without the tents. And then you look at the tents and the homeless, and you say, what's happening to this great bastion? Perhaps some people will not like hearing this, but the only way you're going to remove the hundreds of thousands of people and maybe throughout our nation millions of people we're talking about and help make our cities clean, safe, and beautiful again is to open up large parcels of inexpensive land in the what? outer reaches of the cities. Out What? Okay. Bring medical professionals, including doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, mm. drug who's rehab paying, who's specialists. Paying for this? Who's, who's paying for this? Build permanent bathrooms and other... Facilities, make them good, make them hard, but build them fast and create thousands and thousands of high quality tents, which can be done in one day, one day. What? What? And you have to move people thousands of Some people say, oh, that's so horrible. No, what's horrible <laughs> is what's happening now, because now they're in tents, but most of them aren't even tents that function.
5: OK, uh, so that's that's Hooverville. Uh, where where is it the, the watchtower I mean my God it's he's talking about detention centers he's talking about let's move the homeless out of the cities uh, There are homeless people everywhere by the way put them on the outskirts of town in tent cities don't give many opportunities you know don't give them any way to try to get clean don't give bring in psychologists that I guess what will all have our taxes raised I mean like chris you' you're somewhere. On? Thousands and thousands of high-quality
4: floods being pitched in one day. In some weird way, that is the most compassionate and socialist thing he's ever said. Well, exactly. That's what I'm
5: getting at. Because who? who this is like candidate Trump in 2015. This is what made me think he might be running. Because remember, Donald Trump was all about single-payer health care when he was running against those other Republicans, against Jeb Bush, back in 2015. I mean, he, he was talking about doing the same kind of health care that our allies have. And I thought, what is this lefty shit coming out of his mouth? He was railing against the Iraq war. And I thought today, I'm like, my God, he's, he's kind of doing the same thing. He's going for like a really progressive angle in the midst of all the right wing. Let's send National Guard troops to shoot black people in Chicago, which is what it's all shorthand for. Pitching thousands and thousands of high quality tents. In one day. So I'm like, oh, well, okay. Uh, I don't think you've thought it through. I don't think you mean it. I don't think you have any idea how expensive that would be. And I guess he didn't either because then he pivoted back to uh, an oldie but a goodie. You know, like they try out the new stuff, these old acts when they're going out live. And then he went back to the hits. You know what his hits are? speedy execution of drug dealers like you're the dictator of the Philippines. Give a listen. Fun idea for Trump's America. Execute drug dealers after swift puppet trials.
2: We're a war zone. To lead this effort, a joint violent crime task force composed of the Department of Justice and the Department of Homeland Security should be tasked with destroying these organizations. And the penalties should be very, very severe. If you look at countries throughout the world... The ones that don't have a drug problem are those that institute a very quick trial death penalty <laughs> sentence for drug dealers. It sounds horrible, doesn't it? It but you sounds know what? like not That's our The ones that don't have any problem, it doesn't take 15 years in court. It it's authoritarian quickly, state. And you absolutely... You execute a drug dealer, and you'll save 500 lives because they kill, on average, 500 people. It's terrible to say, but you take a look at every country in this world <laughs> not- that doesn't have a problem with drugs. Okay. They have a very strong idea. death penalty for the people. I'm sure, that I'm sure he means
5: the, uh, the family that owns Merck, by the way. Um, I'm sure he means the Sackler family on top of that. Look, I, I, here's the thing. We're dabbing this debate about Democrats. In the primaries, trying to position the most far right wing MAGA lunatics as the nominee because Democrats think those people will be easier to beat, which is very dangerous because everyone thought Donald Trump would be a lot easier than Jeb Bush for Hillary Clinton to beat in 2016. But the more I hear Trump talk, I'm willing to say I don't think this guy's electable a second time. I don't. I mean, he wasn't the first time he lost the popular vote twice. Is there anybody, anybody who didn't vote for him in 2020? That would vote for him now? Are there states that he lost, that he could somehow win? Maybe, but I don't think he could do it. In addition, the DOJ today revealed that last April they got phone records of key officials and aides in the Trump administration. This is another indicator of how huge the DOJ's very secret January 6th probe has become. Months and months before the high-profile televised House hearings we've enjoyed the last two months. Here's more of Merrick Garland today with Lester Holt.
6: From the committee,
4: carry a lot of weight. Would it be welcomed by the Department of Justice? So I think
3: that's totally up to the committee. You know, we will have the evidence that the committee is presented and whatever evidence it gives us. I don't think that the nature of how they style the manner in which information is provided. Uh, is, is a particular significance from any legal point of view. That's not to downgrade it or to, or disparage it. It's just that that's not what uh, that's not the issue here. We have our own investigation, pursuing through the
5: principles of prosecution. Now there no no again they're not going to indict him. They haven't said they're going to indict him, but there are two main tracks of the investigation that could ultimately mean trouble for Trump. Okay, this is what two of the sources told the Post today. Number one, seditious conspiracy. And conspiracy to obstruct a government proceeding, which if you've been watching the same TV show I've been watching, they've got them on. These are the same charges filed against the guys in the Proud Boys, Stuart Rhodes and Enrique Tarrio, who never even breached the Capitol. But they were allegedly involved in planning that day's events. Seditious conspiracy and conspiracy to obstruct a government proceeding. Now we're understanding more and more why they wanted to prosecute these Proud Boys members before they ever went after Trump. And the other possible tack they could use to investigate Trump is potential fraud with the false elector schemes or the pressure that Trump and his lackeys put on the DOJ to falsely claim the election was rigged because they did. Let's not forget one of the most gripping and bizarre parts of all the testimony we've heard. December 27, 2020, Trump told acting attorney general Jeff Rosen he wanted his DOJ to say there was significant election fraud. And he said, if you don't do it, I'll fire you, and I'll replace you with Uh, what's-his-face, Clark. And Rosen told Trump, we can't flip a switch and change the election. Trump said, I don't expect you to do that. Just say the election was corrupt, and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. Remember that? Just say it was corrupt, and leave the rest to me. So, this is what we're looking at right now. A lot of evidence today that Merrick Garland and the DOJ have been investigating this much more deeply and broadly than any of us knew. Although many of us have hoped, many of us have suspected. And it's way too soon to get excited. A lot of people said to me today already, when Trump has done his first year in jail, then I'll agree. But it's about the accountability. I don't care if Trump goes to jail or not. I really don't. I don't need to see Trump in jail. I'd rather see Matt Gates in jail, to be honest with you. I-, I don't want Trump appointing judges anymore. That's what I want. I want the Democrats to be able to use Trump against DeSantis to stop the GOP from appointing more Supreme Court justices. But I think Merrick Garland's been reading your tweets. I think he's been reading the press, and I think he's gotten sick of all the critiques he's heard from people on the left and the center. I mean, the April time frame totally tracks with when the DOJ first asked for the January 6th committee's transcripts. They've been doing this long before these hearings ever began, my friends. It's already politically dangerous. I know it's third rail. I know it could split the country apart. This guy, this former president, is still integral to the future of his party. He's gone through a lot of investigations. He went through two impeachments. But as you heard earlier, he's just setting donor money on fire. And he is not doing anything, anything of substance to put forward a coherent policy agenda. I think he's waiting to see what Merrick Garland's going to do as well. Welcome back. Reverend Barry Lynn is one of our favorite guests. I've had the pleasure of working with this gentleman several times. He is an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ, and you might know him from your TV for his years as the executive director. For Americans United for the Separation of Church and State. You also might have watched him on TV over the years like I did on PBS NewsHour, Nightline, 60 Minutes, even the O'Reilly Factor. Maybe you've read his stuff in the L.A. Times or the Wall Street Journal. We are so pleased to welcome Reverend Barry Lynn back to our show. Hello, Barry.
6: Hello, John.
5: Uh, I was dying to talk to you ever since we found out that uh, congressional Republicans don't think you really need access to birth control. And this is one of my favorite topics in the world, Reverend. Um, It always amazes me how you can read the Bible uh, or, or not read the Bible and just assume that somehow it's against birth control because the popes have said that for quite a while. I, I got to say, I, I don't know how much it's going to hurt the GOP, but it, it's got to hurt a little bit with moderates to have the majority of Republicans saying, no, we don't want to protect your right to buy contraceptives in 2022.
6: It's a big issue. Eighty eight percent of people, according to the Guttmacher Institute in America, use birth control, one kind or another. And last week, when the House voted on this, the vote was two hundred and twenty eight to one hundred and ninety five. So eight Republicans said yes to birth control and everybody else said no to birth control. And I do think that this is when I was on with. um, With my friend uh, who Bill Baird a couple of months Mm -hmm. ago. Yes. um, He really defined the issue of a right to privacy. And if there is no right to privacy, then Notwithstanding any words to the contrary in the infamous decision overturning Roe versus Wade, it means birth control is next on the docket. And that's been, I think, the view of a lot of us for a long time, that that is exactly what they would go after next.
5: Why, Barry? Why? I mean, I understand if you're the Vatican and you want to keep your numbers up, that makes a lot of sense. You can't be devout unless you're pumping them out. Right. That's, and, yep. and by the way, that's what half of uh, the book of Leviticus and Exodus is, is all about. I mean, those, all those terms and conditions, you're trying to keep the numbers up of your nomadic Hebrew tribe thousands of years ago. So, yeah, okay, I, I get it. But you, the Bible, reverend, is not against birth control, right? There, I mean, in no Clearly. way, in no way, is the, for those who don't read the Bible obsessively, like you and me, <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing in the Bible you can use to say, thou shalt not wear a Jimmy hat.
6: <laughs> absolutely. Uh, even if the Jimmy had no uh, phrase was known in that Bible times, they would not, it wasn't there. They wouldn't have used it. Of course they wouldn't. But I think that there's this fiction that goes on in the heads of a lot of Republicans and two things. One, people don't care about it that much. And then two, even if they care about it a little bit, it won't be the deciding factor in any votes. And it sounds good. And remember, they believe that most forms of effective birth control induce abortion, which is medical nonsense. That is not true. Absolutely. But in that, well, in when the Hobby Lobby case came down, the issue of uh, requiring uh, so-called Christian businesses to uh, cover birth control, the uh, They didn't even object in the Supreme Court when the lawyer for Hobby Lobby said that these forms of birth control induced abortions. The the government, you know, remember, this is a democratic government. They they said, uh, no, uh, uh, they didn't even contest it. Yeah. So I think that's the kind of radical thinking that's going on in the Supreme Court today. If they are pressed on the question of whether these forms of birth control, like the IUD and the morning after pill, actually induce abortions, then they can say, we we didn't stop you from using condoms, but we did make sure that you couldn't use the most effective means of obtaining right. birth control. I mean, what kind of
5: superstitious, nothing to do with Jesus bullshit is this, Reverend? The Netherlands, as I'm sure you know, has one of the lowest abortion rates in the world. Why is that? Yep. They have a lot of sex ed, they have free health care, and they have free contraceptives, and they don't get on your case about who you love. I mean, it's everything opposite of the Republican approach. But I guess, I, I don't know, if there weren't abortions, how would Republicans run for office? I, I don't <laughs> get it. I mean, only eight out of 213 Republicans support An individual right right to
6: contraceptives. Yeah, I mean, in in a sense, you, you have to look at what they intend to do next to make sure that abortion is illegal forever and for everyone. There's no doubt that if the Democrats lose the House and lose the Senate, I don't think they'll lose the Senate, but if they lose the House and the Senate, they will pass a bill, they will do away with the filibuster on day two, And uh, then they will pass a national ban on abortion. Yeah, that's what's at risk. And that's why I do think that there's a strong sentiment and a a very good chance that not only will the Senate not lose any of the incumbent Democrats that are up for re-election, but that they'll pick up three more seats. Are you that optimistic? 53, huh? I am. I think it'll be fifty three. And then they don't have to worry about what Joe Manchin thinks or Kirsten Cinema thinks because they'll have pe- they'll have the fifty votes it necessary. It almost
5: sounds like you're not overly dazzled by Herschel Walker or Doctor Oz.
6: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not even overly dazzled by Adam Laxalt in Nevada. you know he I met him once because I know his mother quite well and I used to do a radio show with her on the, on the United Auto Workers Network because she was kind of pro-labor uh, but not not in any other way a progressive right. thinker but right. but you know he's he's a nice guy and all that but I don't think that Catherine Castro Maestro is in deep trouble. I and mean, I looked at the polls a couple of days ago. They just don't look that bad for her hmm. up so, here in Massachusetts, where I am. Of course, I get a lot of media from Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire. Right. And once uh, once uh, Johnson, who son, the governor of uh, of New Hampshire, decided not to run that eliminated the most effective candidate against Maggie Hassan. I think she's going to prevail i don't think it can defeat in arizona you can't defeat mark kelly he's got too much of a good story he's he yeah. not only is an astronaut of course he's the husband of gabby giffords who was he's nearly got the money too which is an what assassination I mean, and he's, he's got, got the money, money which matters in our political culture yeah <laughs> and does. then you like
5: you like john fetterman for uh for pennsylvania yeah there? i do
6: i mean i think that he recovered from this stroke very very well he's back campaigning now and he's campaigning very effectively he's got very good ads it, but is, he's not people, is he out, he's not out campaigning yet, is he? He's he's you know doing. Now, I some believe really he's smart I, I think he's. I think he's started last week. Actually, okay. physically campaigning again.
5: Okay. Okay. I, I believe no. Okay. I thought I thought he was waiting until next month to do that. I could be mistaken, but that's great. Um, I, I I I love Fetterman a lot. You seem very optimistic. It does seem pretty bleak for the House, but I've talked to more and more Democrats who are really really hopeful. It just seems like everything else, Reverend. It all is going to come down to non-republican turnout if a lot of people show up to vote you will see a democratic senate if no one shows up to vote you will see the gop taking the house and the senate
6: yeah there is a very bad poll out just a few days ago about young voters 18 to 29 um a very small percentage of them under half say that they will vote in the midterm elections that's the kind of problem that we're going to have and I'd like to think we've got a, many months before November that those younger voters are going to come out and say, wait a minute, I don't want all of my rights eliminated. I maybe I should go and cast a vote. And in many states, you can still cast a mail in ballot, even though of the course. Republicans are trying very diff to make that very, very difficult.
5: Oh, yeah. Reverend, uh, well, I began the show talking about the uh Leaked to the Washington Post today, the article that uh, multiple sources have confirmed that a criminal inquiry into Donald Trump is in progress already. What do you think about this? Uh, People are already being despondent and saying it won't go anywhere. We already had one caller who said, you know what, it's probably easier to prosecute him under state law than it ever would be under federal law. What do you think of the news and and the timing that Merrick Garland would announce this probe is underway after months and months of secrecy?
6: Yeah, I think, first of all, the Justice Department never announces that they're going to indict somebody. Um, And that's reasonable because you don't want the target of your investigation to know that you're looking that precisely at him. Mm -hmm. But um, but it's difficult. All of these potential lawsuits against him, all the criminal statutes that he might have been guilty of violating, almost everyone requires that you demonstrate that donald trump not only said certain things but that he believed that what he was saying was correct so the fact that there are lawyers who've testified in the january 6th uh, committee who say we told him uh, this is not legal. This, but then he goes to Rudy Giuliani, He goes to John Eastman, and he, he tells him the same theory. And those lawyers say, that's a very clever idea, Mr. President. Let's pursue it. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. if it almost takes somebody, some witness that neither of us and the public doesn't know about, who actually remembers Trump saying In an unguarded moment you know i know all this is bullshit but i'm doing it anyway you almost need that to prove his intent and that he knew he was lying about everything that's a tough call but in georgia there's a state statute that says any interference with an election is illegal and of course we have on tape Him saying uh, to the secretary of state, Raffensperger, um, all I need is 11,780 votes. That's what I need because I won the state anyway. That shows that's tampering with the whole electoral process in Georgia. And I think that is that is a place where they could really make a solid case that doesn't require more proof. Because all of these other things, John, inciting a riot, inciting uh, an effort to overturn a willful, you know, kind of an official proceeding, which is what one federal judge said he probably violated. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't um, you can't prove that unless under the Supreme Court's understanding of what an incitement is, it's very high standard. The case that determined the high standard was a case involving the Ku Klux Klan, who while waving guns around at a rally, actually called for revengeance, revengeance. I don't know if that's a real word, but that's the word that was used while they were brandishing weapons. And the Supreme Court said, but wait a minute, that's not imminent enough. There's another case involving Vietnam War protesters who were being violent. And one guy says, let's take back the streets later. And the Supreme Court said, that's not incitement. What right. streets and when is later? I mean, it has to be an imminent threat that an actual act of violence will be caused by the words of the speaker. Yeah. I'm not sure you can prove that about Donald Trump based on what we know right now.
5: I, I regretfully agree with you, and that's why I said <laughs> for a long time, I don't need to see Trump in prison. I don't need to see Orange clashing with Orange. Uh, I just want to know how he can be exploited best to uh, damage the GOP brand and hurt them in 2024, because I think there's a civil war brewing in that party, and I'd love to see him and DeSantis say what they really think about each other. Yeah. Um, While well, I just that have would you be- for a well, I have you for uh, just another minute, Reverend. Sure. Donald Trump came and made what sounded kind of like a campaign speech today in Washington, D.C., and he got a lot of uh, heat for saying that he just wants to execute drug dealers really swiftly, you know, go Duterte style. Maybe sure. he himself will shoot them while they're on their knees in the back of the head on TV with a with a pistol. Because you are a lawyer and because you are a reverend, why is having really rapid executions of drug dealers a bad idea in a society with a constitution like ours that pretends to be Christian.
6: Yeah. Well, executing drug dealers, no matter how many drugs they sell to how many people, uh, is just the worst possible understanding of what justice means in the United States. You don't execute people for any reason. And this is where you're developing now of strong conservative opposition to the death penalty. You know, Oliver North, who he used to do radio with, is opposed to the death penalty. One of Donald Trump's principal lawyers, probably his smartest lawyer, Jay Sekulow, yeah, also is opposed to the death penalty. Um, so, but not, but not Vigery, enough that they
5: would, but not enough they'd ever speak out against it. Reverend, no, they, they would, would, would speak actually. out against Trump. I mean, Sekulow yeah, that,
6: would go up against Trump in public. I I, well, I mean, I think we have him on tape, actually, at a death penalty conference where I was hosting a panel on conservatives against the death penalty. Right. I I, I called him. I called him. I said, what do you think of the death penalty? I don't know. I've never talked to you about it. He said, I'm opposed to it, not on any technical grounds, he said, but on moral grounds. The state does not should not be given the power to kill people. But in That's fairness, though, state. our Justice
5: our justice Department never gets it wrong, Barry. I mean, how many times can you see a wrongly imprisoned person for many years or a wrongly executed person in this country? Uh, it, I mean, it's crazy. You'd have to throw out our whole Constitution. I, I, I get wanting to kill people who spread fentanyl in the community. I totally understand that human impulse. But, you know, if you're going to start killing drug dealers, why do I think they don't mean the kind of drug dealers that make massive donations to political candidates. Why do I think the Sackler family and the opioid pushers, the legal
6: taxable kind
5: aren't right. going to be included in this?
6: Yeah, no doubt they don't include the Sacklers or anybody like them. Um, but, I think the death penalty is is something where there really is a genuine conservative reason to do it. If if, for example, the government doesn't have the right in the minds of conservatives to take your tax dollars, then does it have the right to take your life? Because we know after the Innocence Project and all of the work that's been done to find people who are not left out on technicalities, but who are left who were convicted falsely because of false witnesses, of people who lied on the stand, of people where the police planted evidence. Man, there's so many of those stories. And you can't, I mean, I've spoken to many of these people who were found guilty and then exonerated 10 or 20 years later. Those yeah, are fabulous too. stories and terrible examples of what justice could have gotten so terribly wrong forever.
5: I've done a lot of events with exonerated people who spent yep. decades in prison, uh, and I made movies with them as well. And yeah, it—we already know who would suffer and who would pay the price for this, and we know that the privileged, the privileged drug dealers out there who make the campaign donations wouldn't be touched. Reverend, I'm always so honored when you join us. Uh, Happy what is it this way? For our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work
6: if you go to barry lynn com, you can get pictures photos sermons all kinds of things like that and i'll make a prediction here if i have one minute i believe in 2024 we're going to see the democrats nominate gavin newsom as president and governor whitmer of michigan as vice president you yeah, heard it here
5: it's, first. It's a pretty compelling <laughs> argument. I've been thinking it more and more after the last couple of ads Newsom has put out. You got Reverend, it. Thank you so much for joining us. It's thank always you. A great honor. My best to your wife. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, it's going to be your questions and your calls and your jokes and your surly threats. We're going to be talking about everything when we come back. This is SiriusXM. You guys have been on hold for so long. I want to thank you all for it. Tess in Denver, welcome. Hi, Tess.
1: Hey, John. How, how's hey. it going?
5: Great. How are you?
1: Long time no talk. It's great to, to be on, and thanks for uh, for having me here. Uh, I was wondering if we'd be all-
5: hearing for. I, mean, I was wondering if we would hear from you after uh, what happened. You guys have always been really good about police abuse in uh, in Denver, and after what happened last week. My God, it was a story uh, that made national headlines for about a day and a half.
1: Yeah, it, uh, well, it goes, it, the complexity, because we, you know, attend regular city council. And uh, one of the, you should, there's a city councilwoman in Denver, uh, her name's Candy Sedebaca. And she is a uh, truly a, uh, a fighter for justice. And she's just about the only council person who um, is really, addressing some of this stuff so it's kind of her against the rest of them but
5: well for those who uh, don't know i mean uh, listen i understand how multiple cops every now and then will just have to shoot uh, uh, an unarmed man uh he was unarmed right no oh, he was armed was he armed or unarmed this guy he,
1: there was they he, had gotten a tip that he was that he that someone had seen a firearm and so okay. um that's what they were you know responding to allegedly Now,
5: Um, but but it wasn't just one cop, it was multiple cops, right? And they just fired into a crowd. Okay.
1: And shot six people. Um, Six
5: people got hit by bullets. Now, would this be considered a mass shooting?
1: Thank you. I mean, I think anything over two, right, or something is uh, is considered a mass shooting. Uh, Six people shot
5: in the same incident? Yeah, that's pretty mass.
1: Yeah, pretty mass. And, Uh, And people who were just out. For the you know like uh, on a you know like at the bars and stuff like downtown. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was just you could anybody. It could have been anybody. If in, and they the, shot in that the, the guy. W-
5: the guy was running away, right? He was shot in the back, but they also managed to shoot five other people.
1: Well, no, I think that I think that there were six innocent people plus the guy. Is for oh, my understanding.
5: Oh god. Okay. Okay.
1: So, but the most, the most, in my opinion, one of the most troubling details is that. Uh, they there was one interview done with one of the victims who was shot, and she explained that uh, she didn't even know she had been shot by Denver police until she heard it on the news, even though the police had already, previous prior to her learning this, had come to the hospital and interviewed her for, like in regards to the case and right. just never mentioned that sh- she was shot by the police and not they by never told her. anyone else.
5: Yeah. Amazing. So they, they opened fire into a crowd, they they shot six people, plus the guy they shot in the back who was running away, and they obfuscated the truth.
1: And they never said, they haven't said sorry. They, you know, and what, I, I spoke on city council, uh, I gave public comment on Monday, yesterday, and I said, you know, as ki- like if you're, if you have children, when the kids are taken to the park... You and they accidentally run into another kid, you know, and we know it wasn't their intent to hurt the other kid, but it still happens. What do we teach our kids to do? They you teach them to say sorry. Yeah. And that isn't necessarily an, you know, admitting in like a guilt of intentionally wanting, you know, doing that. But you still that's still what the what you do. I mean, so where are we as a society when we don't hold the same expectations of our police.
5: Yeah. Like, and by the way, the, the one know, they is, shot was the, the guy they shot in the back was 21. He's being held on $10,000 bond for assault and weapon possession, which is kind of ironic because it's the cops who did the assaulting of people with the weapons was, they possessed.
1: Right. And he was, you know, he had not caused any, um, like, you know, he was, approached because someone had made a call about having seen a firearm but he hadn't you know assaulted anyone or caused any harm so again it's like it just it just boggles my mind Um, are we going to see are
5: we going to see body cam footage of this test do you think
1: well that's the other thing that the city count that candy say uh councilwoman Candy Candy say brought up was that they're refusing to uh release the body cam they did a whole press conference where they had a power, the police did where they had PowerPoint images, but I watched it and it's like, it's they're they're not showing the actual video. They're not, you know, it's just still images where they put a circle around it and say, here's, you know, what's happening in this image. That's like blurry. And it's not the actual, you know, it's not, it doesn't reveal or shed light on right. what actually happened. And earlier in the night, they had already been in, uh, they had already like a, had a different incident in which they shot and killed another wow. man, um, who, who did fire at the police. So, you know, that's a whole, you know, other kind of,
6: story. Wow. but
1: yeah, I mean, it's, and, and there's still, you know, we're in one of the largest lawsuits in the nation against the Denver police for the George Floyd protests and how they treated, uh, protesters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, still not even been, uh, much justice when it comes to to that right um there was there was a case with elizabeth epps who's running for state uh, for a state congressional seat um she's an amazing woman she started the colorado freedom fund um in which she she and others were in a similar lawsuit were awarded i think 14 million in um in reparations for uh for the treatment of protesters during the during the george floyd protests in denver well, Tess, um, listen, I,
5: I got I, yeah. I, I to run, but please, thank you for calling us. I thought of you when I saw this story. Please keep us in the loop because, you know, these what, the machinations of what happens in these precincts doesn't always make the national news. So please, please keep us in the loop about what's going on, because to me, it's just amazing to think that you can shoot indiscriminately multiple cops into a crowd, hit five innocent, pe- six innocent people. And you haven't even been suspended a week later. It's just astonishing.
1: You haven't even said sorry. Yeah. No, thank you for having. Thank you for always being, uh, you know, interested in hearing about it. And if you don't mind, can I stay on so I can listen to the rest of the show? Because I'm not in my car. So that's where
5: I usually do. Do we have the technology to let her do that? chris cynthia can she, can she stay uh, on i guess so now chris has to get up you know it's a whole there's like pulleys and
4: hang on I gotta, I gotta go put more quarters in yeah Stand can by. you fix that thank you standby Tess. hang on all there right thank goes. you Tess. look at that you know well, get a well, you subscription got you. get a subscription you cheap monster go yeah. ahead hippie um well to add to tess's stories about police um Let's not forget the police officer in Cincinnati who uh, was found to be using racial slurs on duty in uniform on her body cam. Oh, uh, that's right. Uh, there was a, a traffic incident outside of a school, you know, where parents p- picking their kids up and a, a, a kid, a black student, uh, flipped her the bird and she just went off. Or, you know, John, why not talk you know- about the sleepy town of Kenley, North Carolina, where they hired a, 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 a woman... Uh, to be the new t- city manager. She happens to be black. And the uh, police chief and all the cops resigned. Oh, my God. I didn't
5: know that story. K- Kanga's upset about it. Your dog's very upset about it. But this Cincinnati cop, it's it's a, a, a woman cop, Rose Valentino. And she didn't just say anything. She said effing N-words. I effing hate them. Because a the kid gave her the middle finger. Like, if you're going to have to, to protect and serve written on the side of your vehicle, you have to mean it. This is what... When Joe Biden talked about rooting out white supremacists from police departments, we have to. If someone is a racist person or a white supremacist who says things like that, that person has forfeited their right to be in a position of public trust and power. For God's sakes, it's good for comedy. It's bad for justice. Y'all are feisty tonight, Linda in Iowa. How are you?
0: Oh, hello, John. It's so good to talk to you. I was on vacation. I went out east. I toured the Capitol. It was very, it was very moving to be there after what you happened were there this. On, um... You were there this weekend? Um, no, I, the last, I was actually there on July twelfth, oh, the day okay. they were having one of the hearings.
5: I see. And... I was in I was in DC this last weekend, so I oh, hope you enjoyed, I know you were. Hope you enjoyed your visit to our nation's capital.
0: I did, but listen, John, the reason I'm calling, and I haven't been listening to national news, I don't know if this got any press at all nationally, but we had a shooting at McCookota Cave State Park here in Iowa. It's
5: horrible. About 40, about
0: it. You did hear about it, it. Is the, fa- the family? The, yes, it was um, mom and dad in their early 40s, six-year-old daughter, and a nine-year-old boy survived. And um, what's just so horrible is that the shooter was camping with his family. They were visiting from Nebraska and you know, they had heard, they had heard the shots and then officers came in and they said to this, this one camper, go and look for your 16 year old son because he's, he's out jogging. So she needed to get him. And she heard the parents of the shooter calling his name out loud because they didn't know where he was. And then they found, of course, he had, committed suicide and the, so his horrible. parents right now they just they don't know what to think they're what they're trying to tell themselves now is that he was trying to defend that family and then someone else had shot him but that's not the way that it happened no, my and,
5: understanding is that the the suspect who was 23 shot himself the, the body yeah, of, he uh, did yeah. he did
0: his parents can't accept that oh i see yeah his parents are having a hard time accepting that
5: it's horrible. Um, no, was did this person just fire directly into their camping tent? Is that what happened? I, it's- I
0: I think that's see that nothing has really come out on specifics, but I think that's what happened. You know, and um, they the it's parents horrible. said, well, they had brought that gun, they just can't concede that their son had had done this. So, like, it's just like, well, what happened? Was he angry at his parents and decided that he was just going to take himself out and someone else with him? I mean. So much mental health stuff goes unaddressed in our country.
5: Yeah, and so much much letting people with mental health problems, particularly young men—this one was 23 years old, the alleged shooter— uh, yeah. the fact that he was able to get a gun so easily is what disturbs me more than anything. But this is just awful. It's a, a mother and a father and the daughter, and the 9-year-old boy survived, and now that 9-year-old boy has lost his entire family, and we're probably never going to know why, because this yeah. disturbed 23-year-old who had easy access to a gun and was able to do it. This is America. Yeah. It doesn't happen in other countries.
0: Right. Exactly, John. Exactly. I just wanted to... Um, And also, I wanted to thank you for talking about the Book of Revelation with your previous caller. I was raised Lutheran, and I had a born-again experience, and I really had to be careful because I'll tell you what, that end of the end times business, that theology... That can really be very destructive.
5: It's a cult, and it, it's like a drug people get high on, this end-of-the-world shit, and somehow everyone's going to die except me and my club, because I believe this... Inter- the word rapture doesn't even appear in the Bible. It was coined in the 1800s in England, and it's these people who get drunk on their own self-importance. And it, again, it's, just the, it's the problem with religion. You know, you get so distracted by how I'm going to be in the front of the congregation, how I'm better than everyone else, and it gives you a great excuse to avoid all the teachings the Bible tells you you're supposed to do. I've met people in my life who are so singularly obsessed with nothing Jesus said, but with the book of Revelation. And ironically, the book of Revelation is where we find out Jesus was black. So to me, it's just hilarious all around.
0: <laughs> well, it was really interesting because um, in my, my Lutheran high school church group, we had a couple of sisters, twin sisters. I mean, they were they were teachers. They they were born again, and they got this majority of this youth group to go out to this community chapel Bible college in Seattle, Washington. And lo and behold, a few years later, here this community chapel Bible college pops up on the old. It was called West Fifty Seventh Street. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it was a news magazine so. that CBS had. <laughs> I okay. I oh yes. Oh, thank 57. God yes. I didn't go along with them.
5: I remember. I do remember that. We got to hit a break, but Linda, I thank you so much for calling, and I'm glad you got home safely. Thank you for joining us this evening. This is Progress.